right, guys, welcome to the Industrial Marketer Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Matthew Shinella. And I'm MJ Peters. And MJ, I'm really excited about this episode because um, we're going to talk content strategy, which is something that I could probably spend three hours on, but we may only go up to an hour today. But we have someone who goes by the content marketing guy, which could not be more apt to describe our guest today, Winston Henderson. Say what's up, Winston. Hey guys. Hey Matthew. Hey MJ. Thanks so much for having me on. A pleasure being here. Looking to share some real value with your audience today. Awesome. So um, Winston is a content strategist based out of Jamaica um, and he really works a lot with um, companies who are new to content marketing or really trying to develop their content strategy from scratch, which is a parallel that's really apt to a lot of industrial um, companies out there who are also looking to either get their content marketing up and running at scale, or maybe revise their strategy because they're maybe focused on the wrong thing. So uh, Winston, I want you to start by just telling the audience a little about yourself and your background and, and how you got to become the content marketing guy. That's, that's a good question. Um, I don't know how far you want, back you want me to go, but let's start from even the university. Um, yeah, when, I, when I went to college, to kind of give your audience some context. So really, in terms of my, my profession, what I studied there was actually IT. Um, so that's really what I'm trained in. But like, I guess within my, by my, my, my third year, like the end of my first semester, third year, like I was looking around and something just clicked to me and I'm like, this, this is not what I want to do. Like I can't see myself sitting around a computer all day um, trying to decode bugs um, you know, doing programming, which ironically, I actually spend all day around my computer now. But it wasn't my love, it wasn't my passion. So I, I, I guess you could say I accidentally discovered my, my passion and love for marketing. Um, you know, started doing a few marketing gigs, not necessarily jobs, but just like people who I knew who had companies or were starting their business. I'll be like, hey, let me let me do marketing for you just because I loved it so much. They weren't paying me. Everything was free, but I just really loved it, loved the whole, um, how it worked and the execution. So left from there and started as a marketing manager for a British newsprint. Um, well, I actually started out as a graphic designer doing that for them, then kind of transitioned into the marketing manager to help, you know, create brand awareness and build the brand equity right across the Caribbean where we are um, in Jamaica and, and across the Caribbean. Then my first real corporate job in in marketing was actually by accident as well. And, and you guys, you'll actually realize that a lot of how I ended up in marketing was, was by accident or by chance, really. It's not necessarily something I planned early in my career. Um, a lot of it was unintentional. So started working for a b2b tech company but then it was it was what they call um on-site installation of the, the software because we didn't even have SaaS back in the day this was like early 2000s um you know the whole concept of SaaS hadn't really been launched out as yet but I actually started there as a sales rep just doing sales for the company going out every day direct selling but Blogging, writing, those are things that I love doing. So I actually just started a blog, just happenstance for the company. And because of that, you know, it really propelled the growth and, 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 and the, the, um, the revenue for the company based on what we were doing. So that was really my first introduction to content marketing without me even knowing I was doing content marketing. Uh, because back then we only called it blogging. So left that company. Um, was doing my own thing for a while, you know, more sales, more marketing, ended up in another B2B company focused on software development and was actually a SaaS company. And really, it was around 2016. By this time, I had about 10 years experience in marketing. And I decided I really wanted to niche. I really wanted to build a brand for myself and really niche into content marketing. So I made that conscious decision that this is what I want to build my brand around, started the whole, the content marketing guy. Well, at least start the concept because I hadn't launched it out as yet in 2016. Really for about three years between 2016, 2019, just spent time just learning, just like 
everything about content marketing um, I came across, you know, I just consume that content, whether it's from the Content Marketing Institute, guys like Neil Patel, um, in the earlier days, it was Market Tool and then HubSpot, you know, anything and everybody that wrote anything about content marketing or creative content around that, I consumed and then launched the content marketing guy in 2019 and been building that now for about a year and some months to where we are right now. So it's been going great. Awesome. That's quite a journey going from, you know, that seems to be the journey of, of most of, of a lot of marketers that you meet, like they almost fall into it and then they get hooked, right? Like it like right. sinks their teeth into them and then it becomes uh, the passion of their life. So that's, that's really cool to, to see that journey from starting in IT all the way to becoming the content marketing guy. So we brought Winston on specifically because we wanted to talk content strategy, which I think is one of the things that a lot of companies struggle with. Um, when they're doing content marketing because they they obviously want to make content, but so many times they want to start with writing about or making content around um, the wrong things, or, or or maybe they just need a little bit of guidance in that right direction. So, uh, Winston, I want you I want to start you off with with telling us uh, why do you think so many people struggle defining finding the content strategy at their company? Right. So before we even get to why they struggle matthew first we have to first understand what content strategy is because that's something i realize a lot of people um whether it's brands or individuals they really don't know what a content strategy is because a lot of people think um a content strategy is simply creating content and distributing it whether it's on your website on a blog or a youtube channel or on social media whatever the case may be but if you really look on content marketing, and this is a simplified version based on what Content Marketing Institute defined it as, it's really putting content out there to a specified audience or a target audience in order to attract that audience to now create some sort of desired outcome or have them take some sort of desired action that you want them to take. So that's the definition of content marketing on the content strategy is how are we going to achieve that particular desired outcome that we're after? So to answer your question, one of the things is that I realize a lot of companies, two reasons why they, they really struggle in defining their content strategy. First of all, they don't have a specific outcome because it's not just about putting content out there. It's okay, what do we want to achieve with this or, or with all the content that we're putting out there? What's our desired outcome? And it, differ, and it differs um, from company to company. You know, it could be we want to generate leads. It could be we want to increase revenue. It could be we want to build our email subscriber uh, base. It could be a YouTuber who just wants to build their ad audience and monetize that audience over time. But there has to be some specific desired outcome that you're after. And the second reason why I've realized a lot of brands struggle in developing their content strategy is they don't know why they want a content strategy in the first place. Because you can have, or, or you can know what the outcome is that you're after, but you don't know why you're actually doing it. And how I, how I liken content marketing today is how social media marketing was back in 2010, where a lot of people heard the buzzword social media marketing, everybody was talking about it, but None of the companies are, for the most part, most of the companies or brands didn't really know what social media marketing is. They just know that, hey, there's this thing called social media. Everybody needs to jump on it. So they just jump on that bandwagon without really taking a step back to say, all right, why do we need to be on social media? How does it actually tie into us achieving whatever business objective that we're after? And I've come to realize when it comes to content marketing today, it's pretty much the same thing. You know, content marketing is the new buzzword of this, of this decade. Um, everybody's trying to jump on that bandwagon without really taking a step back to say, all right, why do I need a content strategy? Why should we even be creating content in the first place? And what, are, what is that we're actually after? Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on that. I think a lot of people look at their look at their competitors a lot and see that they're doing content, and then it's it's reactionary, right? It's like, oh, we got to be doing that. Why aren't we talking about those topics or those subjects? Um, and instead, you should be thinking more about with content, like what is the things we do really well, and how can we teach people how to do it? Not necessarily on like 
about our product, but maybe it's sort of like a, a, a category, right? Like a category right. within our space. And we need to be the expert on that and the go-to resource for it. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they're trying to define the strategy, they're trying too hard to focus on um, less so on teaching and more so on selling. And I think that's, that's, I think that's a big pitfall with a lot of companies' content strategy. I want to go forward with you on that. And I want to ask you about some of those starting points. You talked a little about starting points about you need to know why you're doing it and what you want to measure. Um, give me a little bit into um, defining the little starting points you need to define in order to begin that content strategy development. Who gets involved in that? Um, what are the things you're deciding on? Um, and then kind of what, what does that direction look like coming out of those, coming out of those steps? Right. So I think at the beginning of a content strategy, who needs to be involved? I will, obviously, you have the marketing team, but specifically, you need whoever is going to be developing that content strategy, um, whether it's a content marketing manager or a content strategist or whoever it is that's res responsible for that overall strategy. And it's very important because, and I was having a discussion with a young lady just the other day around this, where they have this role of someone who is a content marketing manager, but that person isn't really doing content marketing. Um, they're actually just doing email outreach. So you may have a huge marketing team with several people, several roles that are responsible for different things, but they don't necessarily contribute to the entire content strategy. So you may have that, that marketing or that senior VP of marketing that's you know, responsible for the overall marketing strategy, which involves you know, probably content marketing, social media marketing, um, trade marketing, event marketing, and so on. So you definitely need the content strategies. You definitely need whoever is going to be creating the content, whether it's the copywriter, whether it's the video um, graphic video editor, and the graphic designer, because of course we have to repurpose for social media. Um, whoever the, the head is of the company, whether that's the CEO, the managing director, whoever it is, because that's the person that's responsible for charting the overall vision and direction of the company. And how I approach content marketing is that you start with the business outcome first and then reverse engineer how content marketing actually contributes or supports achieving that particular business outcome that you're after. So to, to, to answer your question, I mean, some of the things that you already mentioned in terms of the why, I will put in there the business outcome, the business objective, what is that we're trying to achieve? So that would be step one. And then step two now is getting a deep understanding of your target audience, your target customer. Because Matthew, like that's that's something for some reason. I, I to this day it baffles me. I still can't figure it out. But that's for some some reason a lot of marketers, a lot of even CEOs, business owners, they skip that step, that deep understanding beyond um demography, you know, beyond you know, gender or location or income bracket or how much um, revenue the company makes per year. They, 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 they don't go deeper on a psychography level as to uh, what are these people's interests? What are their pain points? Um, why should they even care, firstly, about our content and secondly, about our product or service that we're trying to sell? Because no one, and it's funny because I made a post about this, I think, yesterday, where I talked about no one cares about your product. Your customers don't care about your product. What they care about is what relief or solution that you provide for them, whether through your content or through your product or service. So for me, in terms of the step-by-step -step process, the business outcome is step one, understanding your target audience and actually doing the research to understand your target audience is two. And then we actually get to the, the content strategy afterwards. Right. I, yeah, I couldn't agree with you more on, on all those steps. It, it does really surprise me um, how people just rely on persona development. I think that's adequate for defining, you know, your customer needs and wants as opposed to when we talk to other people on the show who go and spend time with your customer, get to know them, talk to them. Um, get a sense for how they go about their day, how they even consume content. Uh, we've had people on who like, you know, they want to see, uh, are these people on social media? Are they doing this on their phone or on their desktop? So yeah, I mean, when you're developing that content strategy, you also think about 
know, how these people consume content that helps guide a distribution strategy for that content as well. So um, Matt, can I jump in and ask you a question here? We, yeah, please, we start, because I was just saying, wait, what happened to MJ? Is she sleeping? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, a lot of thought-provoking uh, discussion going on here. I'm, I'm trying to um, contextualize this for some of our listeners who are really focused on the industrial side of things. And something that really jumps right. out at me is we're, we're talking about how a lot of personas are really surface level. And I think that that's a trap that industrial marketers in particular fall into because they think, all right, well, I know this person's an environmental health and safety manager, and that's all I need to know about them. And right. so, so you're, all you talk about is your product and how it improves some generic idea of safety or environment, or maybe it's a production manager and you're talking generally about efficiency and I think those types of people hear those messages every single day, right? And, and they're just right. so surface level that, that you're not going to break through if you don't get to that next level, kind of deeper of, of insight and customer understanding. But Matt, how do you tactically as a marketer uncover those insights and then use them to create content that does reach people in a different way than some generic bullet point that says increase efficiency or you know safety is important so in my opinion the first thing you need to do is is start going start getting out there with your existing content no matter how good or bad it is and just start looking at responses you get from people so you'll get responses good or bad on your existing content when you throw it out there uh, and, and the best feedback you can get if you're doing like a facebook ad or a linkedin post or an Instagram post is a question, right? So when people are throwing you questions back, um, you know those are the things that they're thinking about all the time or the doubts that they have or the possible pain points that they're encountering. And then those become the feedback loop for your new content. And you'll see that trend time over time over time. Um, another thing is, you know, you really, if you have someone who's a real, real subject matter expert in your company, you need to basically tether yourself to that person and pepper them with questions all the time about the things that, um, they, the customers understand about what you're selling and the category that you're serving or not. So a perfect example of this was um, for one of our companies, uh, one of our categories being fume extraction, a lot of people don't understand even what composes or comprises a welding fume. A lot of people just think it's just, you know, smoke emanating from the wire, hitting the base metal, and then it's just heat rising up and it's just, you know, smoke. But what it actually is, is it's a mixture of, you know, little metallic particles that rise as well as um, process generated gas, as well as, you know, vaporized coatings from chemicals or flux or fluorides. So, you know, we basically create content around stuff like that to teach people what actually goes into these things. You were talking about health and safety officer. You know, health and safety officer knows how to apply health and safety methods at their company. They don't know the science behind um, all the different health risks that are being posed to their employees. There's just so many within an industrial um, sector that it's just impossible for them to keep up. So it's incumbent on you as a thought leader within your company to develop those things into your content strategy. So you're, you are the person who they rely on for that information and trust as well. You got to really build trust through your content too, not just, um, not just throw out information for the sake of it. So again, it's, you know, doing a little bit of testing with your ads, tethering yourself to your subject matter expert, and then understanding where the information gaps are between your ideal customer and then where your existing content lies. Yeah, I think understanding your customer as a human being and not just as a job title also has mm -hmm. big implications for the channels that you use. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had a sales rep from a trade publication tell me, your customers are not on Facebook. And if I looked at my customer as my customer is their job title and that's where it stops, then I probably would believe that they are not on Facebook or Instagram or YouTube or anywhere that normal people may spend time either for their job or not for their job. But I know that my customers are human beings that have interests outside of work and that, you know, if my content is compelling enough, if I serve it to them on that platform, it doesn't matter if they're thinking about work or their intent is to be there for work they are there and I've presented something that's interesting to them and therefore they engage with it, whether it's 12 p.m. on a Thursday or you know 6 p.m. on a Sunday. 
Yeah, hundred percent. Absolutely. And you used a couple of keywords that I want to get back to Winston on, which is compelling and interesting content, which is easier said than done for a lot of content marketers because they get, because, you know, customers just getting bombarded with bad content all the time. Um, especially in spaces where they don't have very well-defined or mature content strategies. So Winston, I want to circle back to you on that. Um, once you get that strategy decided on in the work of creating content begins, describe the content creation process and honing that skill um, to make it interesting uh, and compelling for, um, for, for your target audience. Right. So just to, just to go back to what you and MJ were both back and forth on just now, and it would actually help to segue into your question, Matthew, sure. where I spoke about researching your audience, you know, MJ spoke about knowing who your audience is um, beyond a job title, you know, understand that human element as well. One of the things that I've realized that works super well for me that I recommend every single marketer needs to do is don't just do research like behind your desk. Don't just send out a survey to your customers or, or, or prospects or potential clients and ask them questions around you know what their pain points are which platform do you use i actually recommend that you go to the sales meetings with your sales reps as a marketer not trying to sell to them but as a marketer because and i actually discovered this while i worked both marketing and sales for the last b2b tech company which was as i mentioned it was a software development company as well as a SaaS company that had a SaaS product and when we actually went into those sales meetings, the level of insight that I got, um, I wouldn't have been able to get those insights if I was not actually in the meeting. And I give you a perfect example, because even how you're creating the content, even the messaging, even the wording that you're using, depending on who you're talking to, is very key in how it appeals to them and if they actually pay attention to it. So, for example, in the, in the software IT development space, simple terminology, for example, on the outside, we may call it software development, but someone who is the head of IT, they actually refer to it as software engineering. So that simple differentiator in terms of, you know, replacing development with engineering makes a difference or you know, we may call it outsourcing when, you know, one company outsources the jobs to, um, the job to someone else, but they actually call it staff augmentation. So if you're creating a piece of content and the title for that com content is um, the importance of outsourcing, someone who's ahead of IT may not pay attention to that, but if you say the importance of staff augmentation, right away that, that keyword that clicks to them, and even within, you know, from an SEO standpoint, these are the things that they're actually going to be researching when they, they, they're actually seeking answers in terms of content to, to, to provide solutions that they're after. So very important in terms of that initial research to kind of understand what the wording and the messaging around your content is going to be. So going back to your question, Matthew, in terms of that process, um, how I create content or my content creation process it, it takes five steps. It's a framework I developed called the Content Creation and Branding Framework. And the reason why I call it that is it's not just a process of how to create the content, but you can actually use this process as well if you want to brand yourself. I mean, that's what I used um, when I started creating the Content Marketing Guide. That's what I used at the previous company in terms of when we wanted to brand that company as an authority in, in the IT space for digital transformation. So that first step is, you know, the overall theme. And the overall theme simply means that what do you want to be known for? So it's a cross between what the company or the brand wants to be known for and what's their story that they're telling and what are the needs, the goals, the aspirations, the thoughts, the feelings, the emotions of the customer. And that intersection is very, is very key because one, you want to know how to brand the company, but also you want to focus more on what your needs of the customer are because that's how you really get people to pay attention to your content by focusing more on what's in it for them. So that, that intersection is really where content marketing takes place. So the second thing is once you have that overall theme, and well, for the context, let me actually give your audience some context so they better understand what I'm talking about when I mention overall theme. So for me, 
when I started the content marketing guy, I already knew I wanted to brand myself as an authority in content marketing. Like that was a conscious decision for me, but I knew I couldn't focus on telling people how amazing I was as a content marketer. I need to focus on content that they consider valuable. So once you actually understand who you want to be known for or what you want to be known for and the challenges of your audience and their needs and so on, then you create that brand statement. So for me, my brand statement was educating marketers and business owners because those are the two people that are actually my target audience when creating my content, educating marketers and business owners on the power of content marketing in you know getting marketing and business results for their company so that's my brand statement that's my mission statement so once you move from the overall theme then you go to the sub theme now where you start to create pain point categories and matthew you spoke a bit about that when i'm i'm i think it was about fume and extraction i think that's the term that you use but it's basically once you understand what are those pain points and those needs you create category for each pain point so for one, it may talk about fume and extraction um, within the industrial space. For another one, it may talk about safety measures in terms of what are the safety measures when actually um, you know, executing the mechanical side of how um, you actually develop that product for, for your customers. So it's basically creating segments or category for each content or category of content that you want to create. And then that third step now is a topic focus. This is where you brainstorm um, content ideas, topic ideas, headline ideas. So we may have a category of fume extraction, and we may talk about seven different ways to actually um, do fume and extraction. Um, so you may have one category where you may have, uh, you know, 12 different topic ideas and another category where you have another 12 topic ideas. So right away you have 24 pieces of content just from those two categories. Then the fourth step is creating that core content or that long-form content. So for example, what we're doing here with this podcast will be considered a core content or a webinar or a white paper or you know, a 3,000-word blog post will be considered that long-form content. Then once you have that long-form content, the fifth step is actually repurposing it for social media. So whether you take um clips a two to three minute clip for a linkedin or a facebook and you put it on there or you know you may transcribe this this podcast that we're doing right now and create probably a 1000 word um mini article for linkedin or for medium but it's basically how can you repurpose that content to extend its shelf life and to to promote it and to get better reach beyond just simply posting it on whatever medium you're posting um, yeah you you're right on you're right on point when you're talking about about fume extraction because really what you're doing is you're going top level to explain like what the health risk is how it poses a health risk what those long-term effects are both from a health standpoint a regulation standpoint and then also um, just a company standpoint right because you know if you have a dirty workplace you have trouble attracting quality workers you have trouble keeping quality workers um, and and ultimately you create a really bad work environment and then you kind of go through educating the process of like, um, okay, here's all the different ways you can go about doing fume. And it doesn't necessarily have to be all the ways that your company does it, right? Because you actually build more trust and credibility in your content when you're willing to go, okay, yeah, downdraft tables is a way you can combat fumes in your, in your company. We don't offer that, but you know, this is how it works. And then you start building cases around that too, where you start talking about, okay, here's the energy consumption it's going to take to do this solution versus this solution. And that's going to be more cost or less cost or more installation or less installation or more maintenance or less maintenance, depending on, you know, how your, how your company's broken out. And that goes right back to what you said, Winston, about, you know, going to visit customers and then also taking the time to have a deep understanding of your company, um, of your industry and what those pain points are for, for those, um, you know, for those customers. Cause that, that really allows you to talk to them in a way that they'll understand and relate to and have, and, and you'll come off as, not come off, you will earn the reputation as being an empathetic company when it comes to your content, which I think is probably the highest compliment that you can get. Right, exactly. That'll work. Um, all right, I wanted to talk about the ways that marketers struggle with the content creation process. Actually, before I even get into that, 
Um, you made this, you made the good point about, you know, whether you're a marketing executive going to visit customers. Like if anyone is listening to this podcast and maybe you work for a bigger company um, and you're like a VP of marketing or chief marketing officer or a marketing director, and you have a staff of four, five, six, seven, don't overlook the value of sending those marketing specialists, content specialists out to customers as well. I know a lot of times, a lot of marketers who are in a management role think that, you know, I can just go visit the customer and then disseminate information down. You know, don't discount the takeaways that your lower level, entry level, mid-level marketing staff are going to get from visiting customers too. Ultimately, the more feedback you have and more perspective you have, it's going to make your content strategy a lot stronger as a result. So you definitely, you made a great point of that, Winston, for sure. And I want to segue that into the content creation process where um, really I see a lot of marketers struggle with this. Um, they're not able to make content fast enough. They have trouble maybe ideating content as well. Um, so tell me a little bit about where you think marketers struggle on the content creation side from your experience working with companies. Yeah, and one of them you just, you just said it, which is the main one obviously is you know, ideating that content, coming up with content ideas and that's why the, the content creation and branding framework works so well because one of the reasons I've realized that marketers struggle or content creators, whoever it is, struggle with actually coming up with content ideas is because they're thinking, all right, what do we need to post? What do we think our audience would be interested in versus just going to whoever it is, your audiences and find out from them, like just having a conversation um, with them, I mean, I I did just like literally a few days ago where uh, a, a potential client, you know, that was that was actually one of the people that I was working with prior to the whole COVID situation. But I went to her this week and I said, hey, you know, I'm actually want to position my message a bit more because we're we're we have a good enough business relationship where I can go to her like that. And I said, listen, I really want to target CMOs and I'd love your input, you know, like just 15 minutes of your time, just get on a phone call with me, just to give me a bit of perspective and insight from understanding of a CMO. And I asked her like just some basic questions, like, you know, what it is that you're trying to achieve on a day-to-day -day basis? Like, how do you actually, um, you know, measure a win? Or what do you actually consider a win? Because... What I, as the marketer targeting a CMO may consider a win, may not be the same thing that the person who I'm actually targeting considers a win, or even if it's the same um, category in terms of CMOs, each CMO may consider a win differently. And, and even what are the challenges or pain points that you know, may actually prevent you from executing whatever it is that you need to get done daily. So just a simple conversation, and trust me, you, like literally in that in that 15 minute conversation that I had with her, like I could create probably 10 to 15 pieces of content just from that 15 minute conversation. So the reason why a lot of marketers, content creators struggle is because they're trying to come up with ideas in their own head versus just going out there and talking to whoever it is that you need to talk to and, and who it is that your content is really targeted towards. The second thing that I've noticed, uh, Matthew and MJ, is a lot of marketers, content creators, they focus on perfection rather than consistency. <laughs> that's, yes. That's, 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 that's a big one because I, I see it all the time um, be, because they focus a lot more on the quality of the content versus the actual messaging and the value that it has for the audience. And when I say quality in this sense, I'm not talking about how helpful and useful and, and, and how valuable it is to your audience. I'm more talking from the standpoint of the, the, the video production quality, like, hey, we need the latest tech equipment. We need the latest um, video recording um, camera or camcorder or whatever. We need the latest podcast equipment um, in order to even begin the process of creating content. And no, you don't because as long as the quality in terms of the production quality, the post-production quality is good enough, where you know you're, you're, you can be you can be heard, you can be understood by your audience, they don't really care that much. I'm not going to say they don't care completely, but if it was a toss-up between the quality of the content in terms of the, the post-production quality versus 
how valuable, how useful, how helpful this content and this message is to me, they're always going to choose the, the, the value that they get from the content because that's what, they're really, that's what they're here for. They're not here for like a $100 million Hollywood production movie budget um, you know, content. They're really here for the value of the content. That, 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 and that value is not based on what we as a marketers consider value. It's based on what the audience considers value. So that's the second thing. And the third is the fear of really putting themselves out there um, as a marketer, as a content creator. I know that's, that's a big deal for a lot of people. And I know it was for me when I first started. But really what they want to do in terms of how to actually tackle that, that, that fear is whether it's from an individual standpoint or a corporate standpoint, because for the individual they may have the fear of looking bad, um, you know, seeming foolish to other people who they're putting the content out there. But even from a corporate standpoint, that corporate may be thinking, how does this affect the brand? Um, how will we be perceived in the market? Will this actually affect us actually getting customers and clients? And to really overcome that fear, you have to look on what do you stand to lose? If you're an individual putting that content out there, if you don't put the content out there, you know, you may not impact people who you want to impact. If you don't put the content out there, you may miss out on opportunities that can actually propel your career. If you're a corporate brand and you don't put that content out there, then what happens when your competitors put the content out there and they start positioning themselves as thought leaders in the industry and know everyone in terms of business leads, um, opportunities start coming to them versus you, and you you end up losing out on market share. I wanna I wanna pick up on that idea that you your second point, which is perfect is the enemy of good, and I just want to expand on that and say I think it's actually irresponsible to try to go for perfect production quality in order to even get started as a content marketer. In fact, I think you should take a lean approach, right? And, and kind of test different things, see what resonates in a way that is cheap and a way that is fast so that when you're ready to maybe upgrade to that production quality and, and add that in, you're doing it for the content that you know is working, that you know is adding value, that you know people are engaging with. And you can kind of take that content and that content only to the next level because I guarantee you that not every single piece of content or every category of content that you create is going to hit the way you want it with your target audience. Yeah, I want to piggyback off that too because once you made another great point about fear and then also with quality, the, the people obsessed with their content being perfect. Uh, also, not just with the quality, but also of the production, but also with the, the quality of the content. I think so many marketers want to make content that everyone's just going to agree with, right? It's like, oh yes, of course, I totally agree with that. And it's actually yeah. better. It's actually better to just you know take a strong position sometimes and put it out there and let people disagree with you. That actually gives you more opportunity to establish yourself as a as a subject matter expert and an authority on a certain topic than trying to take um, this really broad position that everyone's going to just nod their head and go, yeah, yeah. You know, that's no, that's not, that's not compelling or interesting, which is, you know, uh, what, something that, something that you brought up. And, and I, and I just think people, especially when you're talking to your subject matter experts or your sales team or your engineers, I think, you know, you need to talk them off the ledge of making perfect content with you and just say, look, we need to make, it's more important to make compelling content that is broadly accurate, but it also takes a strong position as opposed to making content that is impossible to be disagreed with or refuted. Um, because no one's going to find it interesting unless you're making that content um, from something like a case study, something that you studied, um, you know, ran an experiment on, and you have results that you want to share. But um, you know, taking strong positions, I think, and letting people come back to you with their thoughts and their feelings on it really kind of creates the best sort of response you want. Because what you want more than anything out of your content is people to engage with it, comment on it, ask questions on it, disagree with it, push back on it, share it and say, what are your thoughts? Like, that's, that's really where you want to be uh, as a marketer with your content strategy. So yeah, I think people looking at quality and perfection and then the fear of what I miss out on are all points that marketers who are looking at their content right now and uh, a little scared to move forward should be considering as they're looking to maybe revisit that for their strategy. Can I just yeah, jump I in and ask you something else, which is, 
what I perceive right now is that five years ago or even three years ago, you could start doing content marketing and you would probably start winning right away because so few companies were actually doing content marketing at that time. But now, especially since social distancing went in place due to coronavirus, you see content just flooding all distribution sources from every source and yeah. kind of becoming a saturated market. How do you win in that competitive content marketing environment? Um, that, that one is for me, MJ. Yeah, that's for you. Okay. <laughs> all right. How, how to really, that's a good question because it's a question that even I, um, had to ask myself because it's like everyone, as you mentioned, you know, it's talking about the coronavirus. Everyone has tips and tricks of how to, to make it through the coronavirus. And I mean, I think we, we could really approach it two ways, or I could share the two ways that I've approached it, which is one, a lot of the content that I still put out there is non-corona related. Because as you said, if everyone is putting out the same type of content, which is around COVID-19, then if you could actually put out content that's completely different, that has nothing to do whatsoever with what's trending right now, then you may get a bit more traction from it um, as people pay attention because right now people are desensitized to the whole um, news and information around corona. So that's one way how you could look at it or how I've approached it. And the second way is actually, and this is something that I've done as well, which is just go to whoever your, your audience is, you know, whether it's your customers or whoever it is, and just ask them, hey, like, how has corona negatively affected you since this whole thing has started? Like, just share with me the challenges that you're having right now. And once you do, then you look on, all right, based on all the answers, what are the ones that I actually have the expertise in, in providing that content solution for and creating content around that? Because there's really two ways, in my opinion, to create content that's compelling that will actually stand out and people pay attention to, and that's one. And this is assuming that you don't have that, that influence or, or that brand authority. Because if you already have the brand authority, obviously it's easy for you to stand out, but what if you don't? And that is you either create content that's completely unique and different from what everyone else is creating, or you become so insightful and so knowledgeable in what's challenging to your audience that when you create that content around that challenge that people immediately pay attention because they're like, oh, they can relate to it and it resonates with them and they can say, okay, this person is talking about me. This is a challenge that I'm faced with. How do I overcome it? Talk to me. Yeah. Yeah, to, to add to that as well, I just would look at, look at what your competitors, look at, and you, and you mentioned this as well, look at what your competitors are not talking about and do that. Like if your competitors don't want to talk about comparing their products to other products in your space, go ahead and just take the leap. If you're new, your content strategy and you really want to stand out, write a really truly unbiased com competitor comparison between your product and that product. Um, if, and this is a big thing in the industrial space and I know it's a little less in the IT and the SaaS space price. Like if you're in, if you're an industrial company um, and you want to stand out with your content, start finding creative ways to talk about the price of your products and the other and other products in your space. Um, because even if you don't want to say how much your product costs because it's configurable, maybe do an exercise like calculate the customer lifetime value of a certain product for you. And then explain to uh, explain to your audience because that's something that customers ask a lot in the industrial space is price. So write content on the on what the investment outlay looks like to add this solution into your business and what that will look like over time and what your maintenance costs will look like and what your installation costs will look like. And then just say, look, this is what it's gonna cost you to get this solution and this is what you will gain by doing it. And if you wanna, if you wanna stand out with your content in the industrial space, find the gaps and mind the gaps that your competitors are not doing. And again, this goes back to fear, like you said, Winston, overcome that fear and just go for it. I guarantee you, you will find a ton of traction by just talking about what other people refuse to do. Yeah. yeah. That's a, I think that's a really good point. And what, what comes to mind for me is this really simple model that I saw years ago for defining your company strategy. And it's just a triangle and you can pick one point on the triangle. 
the points of the triangle are you can be the most customer centric, you can be, you can have the best product, or you can be the most operationally excellent. And fundamentally, I think right now for industrial companies, most of them are going for product excellence over either of the other two. Some of them go for op operational excellence. Very few go for the customer-centric side of the triangle, and that's reflected in marketing, including content marketing. So if you try to be different by putting the customer at the center of your marketing, of your messaging, of every single piece of content you create, as opposed to putting your product at the center, there's an opportunity to stand out, especially in the industrial world. Yeah, and I think there's a correlation between the size of the company and the point of the triangle they're pursuing. I think the larger the company is, they're more predicated on product excellence. Um, and the less large the company is, they're more customer service centric, or if they're really trying to claw their way up, um, content, um, very content centric. But yeah, I think that's, that's a really interesting point that I never even considered before. Might have to, you need to send me that after the show, MJ. Yeah, will do. <laughs> um, Winston, I want to circle back on advice you give for marketers um, who are looking to rebuild their strategy because it's gotten stale or it hasn't been tended to. So let's say I'm a new marketer. Um, I fell into it just like, you know, just like you did in your career. And uh, I'm looking at my company's existing content and they haven't really done much with it in like three or four years um, and hasn't really been tended too much. What advice would you give to a, a marketer looking at the current state of their content being sad about it and wanting to become more happy with it. All right. Well, before, before I even talk about what to do, I'm going to talk about what not to do and what not to do is to start creating content right away. Like, I don't care like what your thoughts are, your perspective is, how crappy you think the current content of the company is. Never start with creating content. And MJ spoke about it, which is, being customer centric being audience centric so for me like if you're a new marketer just starting out the first thing you want to do is that customer research like even if the content strategy has been sitting down there for as little as six months and you're just coming in brand new you want to start off talking with your current customers and potential customers i mean current customers um, understanding what were their challenges prior to actually purchasing this product or service, what were they trying to solve, um, what was their experience like throughout you know, that entire sales process, and how did that product or, or that solution you know, uh, actually help to solve or alleviate whatever pain point it is that they have. So understanding that from your current customers so that now you know how to create the content and how to position your content and your messaging that will appeal to potential customers. Because more than likely, Matthew, if you have someone who is like um, the head of engineering in an industrial space, right? That's your customer. And they say to you, well, the reason why we chose your particular company is because of ABC, XYZ. It's highly likely that someone who is the head of engineering for another company will actually think along those same lines in terms of the same challenges that they have. So you want to do that research, you want to collect that data, and then once you have that data, then you can use the existing content, you know, kind of do like a content audit to reference like, all right, based on what the data says from my customers or the feedback, does this content or is this content still relevant? Is this content strategy still relevant based on what the needs are? Because, and the perfect example of that is what's happening right now with COVID. I mean, just two months ago, if you were to ask your customers, hey, what are some of the things that you're challenged with? Their answer two months ago will be completely different than what their answer is today uh, because of what's going on with COVID. So you never want to assume that because a customer highlighted a particular need, desire, or pain point two, three, six months ago that you know it's going to be the same today because customer needs, buying behaviors change constantly, and you need to remain relevant to your to your customers and whoever it is you're targeting. Yeah, hundred percent on that because especially in the industrial space, they got a lot of plants shut down because of the coronavirus. And, you know, we were brainstorming this even at, at, at my company maybe two, three weeks ago. We were like, okay, what can we make to, um, to get people back up and running? And so we started talking about, um, you know, making 
content around commissioning or, you know, maintenance or, you know, getting or like retooling or refixturing your weld cells so you can get back up and running immediately. And that's stuff that like people don't really care about when they're up and running full tilt. It's like, okay, I got to cut cost. I got to be more efficient. I need more throughput enough time. But like you said, like now that the landscape changes, you need to be as a content marketer, super flexible um, and, and ready and ready to react to changing trends because, you know, the world is different now than it was in January. Um, and so your content as a result needs to also be different coming out of it. And it should be, if you're not doing it now, you need to be doing it now. And if you're not doing it now, you need to start planning for it now and, and then come up with right. something fairly quickly. Um, Winston, I, um, we usually leave our guests with one more question before we leave them. Um, MJ, we have to do this a little differently because Winston's not in the industrial space, but I'm going to let you go ahead and ask it. It's a pretty simple question. Who else should we be talking to? Uh, just in general, in terms of marketing? On the yeah. podcast, yeah. Well, who, who has some really oh, okay. great insights? Uh, oh, there's this guy. Uh, I can't remember his, his name right now. Um, because you, you guys already had Chris Walker on it, right? I'm assuming. Not yet. Well, I'm, I'm sure MJ thought, well, I'm sure both of you talk up, um, thought about that because MJ, I know you did an interview with Chris some, some weeks ago and Matthew, obviously I know you follow um, Chris, but apart from him, I would definitely say there's this guy, Benji Hyman, I think that's his name, um, B-E-N-J-I-H-Y-M-A-N, I think that's his, how it's spelled. And he's with a company called Growth and Convert. I mean, I follow their content a lot. And the reason why I love it so much is these guys go really in-depth, like step-by-step. Step. And like practical content is what I love. Like I don't like fluff. I don't like the type of content where I can do a simple Google search and find it online. Like I like people who have actually executed a strategy and can actually walk me through step-by-step step how they actually got the results that they got. All right. Winston, how can people get in touch with you um, if they listen to this podcast and want to reach out afterwards? Well, the space that I'm always in is LinkedIn. So you can just search my name, Winston, um, initials A, Henderson, and you'll find me on LinkedIn. Um, there's also the website, the contentmarketingguide.info, not .com, .info. You can actually reach out to me there as well. But LinkedIn, for the most part, is the best place to reach me because, like, literally, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn all day, every day. All right. Winston Henderson, the content marketing guy. Winston, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate your time and your expertise. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Really appreciate sharing with your audience. Thanks for the opportunity. If you want to listen to more of the, con of not the content marketing guy, of the Industrial <laughs> Marketer podcast, you can reach us uh, you know, on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and uh, Breaker and all the other major podcast um, hosting platforms. You can also reach us at, by email, um, industrialmarketerpodcast at yahoo.com. And with that, I am Matt. I'm MJ. And this is the Industrial Marketer podcast. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Have a great day.